Welcome back. This is the Axiom Youth Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. This lesson is being taught by Brother Jared Turner. He proposes the question, what does the resurrection mean? We hope you enjoy. Thank you for tuning in. Here we go. Mark chapter number 16, verse number 1. Mark 16, verse number 1. And when the Sabbath day was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, mother of James and Salome, had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. Talking about Jesus' body. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Now, how many remember the lesson that Brother Thomas taught last week about Bible translations? Remember that? I know Caleb remembers. He's got it locked in his brain. And Brother Thomas may have mentioned this, but I'm going to mention it again. That the reason you have to be careful with certain Bible translations is because there is a group of translations that end the book of Mark with this verse. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid, period, end of story. Now, why is that a problem to end the story right there? They're ending it with fear. That's a good, that's a good, that's a good response. Yeah? Yeah, it leaves a cliffhanger. You don't know exactly that, I mean, there's some dude telling you that Jesus rose from the dead. There's some guy saying that he did, and he had white on, and he was angelic, but maybe those guys were just kind of, it was, it was early, by the way. This is at the rising of the sun. This is at the beginning of the day. How many are, how many are morning people? Like at 6.30 in the morning, you're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Okay, so there's two out of 17 here. There's two that are, that are morning people. So I... They could just say, well, most people aren't morning people, and these 
crazy women that came to worship Jesus. Maybe they were just mistaken that that was an angel, and maybe they didn't really understand everything. So it leaves a cliffhanger. So I just wanted to sit just to make mention of that, that this is not the end of the story. This is not the end of the story. That's why you've got to be careful what kind of Bible translation you read and what kind of things you listen to, because people might begin to trick you and fool you and say that's all there is to the story. But there's more to the story. Of course, we know we've read it. Hopefully you've read it before. And Jesus appears unto them and makes the case very, very plain that he rose from the dead. Now, I was reading a book. And I, um, this, I just finished it actually last night, but I've been reading it for a while. And it's about the historical life of Jesus written by a man that is not a believer. That, in fact, you can tell by his tone and his attitude that he hates Christianity. He hates the Bible. He hates Jesus, in fact. Uh, just a disdain, a disbelief. Maybe not, we wouldn't maybe say hatred, but a, a, a very strong disbelief. And he had to make the concession, he had to make this point that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is recorded as if it is a historical event. That the, the, the recording and the accounting of the story is written not as mythology, in Greek mythology and the stories of Zeus. It's very clearly the, the stylistic approach is very uh, mytholo mythological, but the the story of the resurrection is such that it, he said it, even this guy who hates and does not want it to be true, he said it feels historical. And he said it's a testimony of its history that the people who would have had to lie to cover up the fact that Jesus really didn't raise from the dead, they would have had to have stolen his body his disciples would have had to have stolen him and then lied about it. The fact that they then went to their deaths and they never, not one of them, recanted their belief that Jesus rose from the dead. Not one of them. Even when they were tortured, James was beheaded. That's, that's recorded in the book of Acts. And they never once, not one of them recanted their story that Jesus did in fact, or as Brother Isaacson said, indeed raise from the dead. It was a historical fact that Jesus rose from the dead. So the question is, what does the resurrection mean? What does the resurrection mean? mean and it is the answer to this question that is the one point that I want to get into your mind and I want to get into your heart what does the resurrection mean that's going to be my title what does the resurrection mean because you have got to catch this you have got to know this beyond a shadow of a doubt in your heart, what the meaning of his resurrection is. Why was it important? Why was it important that we don't end the story? And why is it so dangerous to read a Bible that makes mention that the story possibly could have ended at Mark chapter 16, verse number 8? with like Brother Austin said, a cliffhanger.
Why is it important to not only believe that Jesus rose from the dead, but to know what it means? You've got to know what it means. Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. He died for our sins. He was crucified. He was beaten. He was bruised. And it was for us. It was for our transgressions. And that is pretty evident. The fact that sin destroys lives. You can look and meet certain people that have lived certain lifestyles. And you can begin to see the marks. Sometimes physical marks on their body. Of how sin has destroyed them. In my mind I can see connections between a sinful lifestyle and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Sin mars, destroys, beats, disfigures, moves people to a place that they never thought that they could be. And so Jesus, as the perfect man, took on the embodiment of what sin does to a life. He who did not deserve it took the punishment that those who had committed the sin, namely you and I, deserved. Jesus took that punishment for you. And that, to me that's very evident and that's very clear that that's what Jesus did. That sin makes that mark on a life and that Jesus took that mark for us. He took that shame for us. But when we come to the resurrection, when we come to this thing that you, we can understand sacrifice. We can understand. There are stories of great sacrifice throughout history. There are people that put their life on the line. If I've, I've studied literature in college. And there are stories of great self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice is a theme throughout all of world literature that there is somebody that's going to make a great sacrifice for somebody else. There is somebody that's going to say, take me instead. There's the Charles Dickens wrote a book called The Tale of Two Cities. And the ending, spoiler alert if you're ever going to read it, the ending, and I won't tell you the names of the characters because I can't remember, but the ending is that this one man is on death row, so to speak, in the French Revolution, which was a horrible, bloody, immoral kind of just massive revolt against all things that were settled. And they were beheading people and killing people that didn't agree with them. And so this one man was in prison and he was going to be beheaded in the French Revolution. And the ending of the story is that another man who didn't know him that well came and switched places with him. Had bribed the jailers and they swapped them out. And so one man stood in the place of the other man because he was innocent and they were really both innocent men in this phrase, in this story. But one man decided because he didn't have a lot in this life and this other man had people that loved him and, and he had a lot of things going for him. So this man made this great sacrifice for his brother, for his friend. 
So there are stories of incredible sacrifice. And we can think about it in, on like Veterans Day or Memorial Day of people that make ultimate sacrifices for our country. Our country was bought and paid for by people shedding their blood on the field of battle. So we understand sacrifice. But when it comes to the resurrection, that is when our human understanding is suspended. People are okay with the fact that Jesus died because that was very, very common for people to die for the cause. In fact, before Jesus, there were other messiahs that were killed a lot like Jesus was killed. They would rise up a band of followers. They were violent. Jesus was not violent, but they were violent. And they were trying to overthrow the Jewish structure or the Roman government, and they would be put to death violently. Uh, they're, they're mentioned in the book of Acts, chapter 4. Judas of Galilee was one of them. And so these other rebel rousers would come around and they would get up a big band of people and then they would stir up strife and then they'd be put to death. And they would sacrifice their life for the cause, for the Jewish nation or whatever it was. So people have no problem with the fact that Jesus died or that he was a good man or that he was, gave his life as a sacrifice for us. People like to wear cross pendants and people like to put the cross on their bodies and they like to signal that I believe in the cross. They, they like to believe in forgiveness and all that and that's good in terms of believing in that. But because of the resurrection, there's got to be more than just believing in Jesus' sacrifice. There's got to be more than just say, well, I have a cross and I put it on because really that's empty. Because the cross without the resurrection is empty. It's powerless. There's no, there's no ability to, to apply that sacrifice. It was a one-time sacrifice without the resurrection. So here's my point. My one point. I want you to get in your heart and in your head. Because of the resurrection... What Jesus is trying to communicate and what is something that cannot be grasped with your mind. It has to be caught in your spirit and in your heart is that Jesus can make anything new. I want you to get it. And I'm going to say it until you get it. Jesus can make anything new. That's what the resurrection means. That Jesus can make any situation, any life circumstance, any condition of the heart, any person, any sinner, anything, he can make it new. And that does not make sense to us. Because there are things in your life and things in my life that I look at and I can see sacrifice. I can see that people go and they give their life for different causes. There are people that sacrifice for all religions, there is somebody making a great sacrifice to believe that religion, no matter what it is. There are people that sacrifice for a career. There are people that sacrifice to build a business. There are people that sacrifice to do humanitarian work. There are people everywhere that make a sacrifice. But the power of the resurrection is that Jesus can make 
anything new. Anything new. Anything can be renewed by the power of Jesus Christ. And that's where our spirit can begin to clam up and say, I'm not so sure about that. I can go with you that there's great sacrifice. And I'm thankful that somebody made a sacrifice. But are you sure, Brother Jared, that Jesus can really make my life new? Are you really sure that my family can be made new? Are you really sure that my heart, with all the scars and all the things that are in it, can be made new? That's why the resurrection matters. Because death can be turned into life. Because the one thing that nobody could cure, the one illness that has never been that has a survival rate of zero, is death. And nobody could overcome that. Nobody could push through that. No doctor, no philosopher, no physician, nobody, no magician could get past the fact of death. There were healers that were all across the Holy Land at that time. And they could do miracles. Some by the power of God and some by some other power that was kind of mysterious and dark. But they could do a miracle. But nobody could raise the dead. And certainly nobody could raise themselves. And it suspended all belief. And it suspended all of the concepts that they had because Jesus can make anything new. So I want you to look into your heart and I want you to take the toughest part of your life, the thing that you think will never change, the thing that you think will never happen, the thing that you think is absolutely, completely and totally impossible and it is not more impossible than the dead coming back to life. No matter what you can bring to Him, because of the resurrection, Jesus can make anything new. Anything is possible to become new in your life. Anything is possible to become new in your family, to become new in your social circle, to become new in your friend's life. Anything is possible to become new in this youth group. There is nothing that God cannot renew. There is nothing that God cannot bring about restoration in because that is the God that we serve. So I wanted you to get that in your heart. So the next time that you're up against, maybe it's that old sin that creeps back into your life and you think, I'm never going to break free of this. It's that old peer pressure that creeps back up again and says, I'm never going to overcome this. I want you just to remember the power of the resurrection. Jesus can make anything I want you to bow your head. God, I love you. I'm thankful, Lord, that you can renew any life, any heart. And I pray, Lord, that you would touch this group right here. And God, as they leave this place today, I pray, Lord, that that one thought would be seated in their heart. That next time that they come up against an impossibility, the next time they are afraid and alone, next time they feel condemnation or guilt or shame, that they would remember that you can make anything new. Go with us and help us in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been an episode of Axiom Youth Student Ministries. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you've enjoyed and we hope you'll come back for the next one. Thank you for tuning in.